Welcome back to an episode of Talking Shop. I'm your host, Gary Punnick, and today I'm joined by V89 Scott Clemens. We have a quick football-only episode for you today as we break down FSU's win over Syracuse last weekend and also get into this weekend's rivalry matchup between Florida State and Miami in Doak Campbell this Saturday. Let's jump right into it. All right, and we are back. Scott, how's your week been so far? It it's been going all right. Uh, midterms have kind of faded away now, and things are starting to kind of calm down a little bit. But of course, the calm before the storm, as Miami's coming to town this weekend. Mm-hmm. The, so the real storms coming. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hur- hurricane sirens are firing up all around they Tallahassee. Got, <laughs> they got the flags up by the practice fields mm-hmm. and everything. It's my home screen. My home screen, in fact, on my phone is double black hurricane flags, ah, nice. so I'm even ready for it. I don't know about you, yeah. but Ev- yeah. I mean, everyone's just really excited. I know uh, trying to get student tickets for the games Saturday, it was a mess. My computer kept kind of lagging and blocking out. And but Some, Yeah, I think on Sunday it was a bit rough. I usually do my whole thing of getting in there. I'm not going to say exactly how because I don't want other people stealing it, whoever may be mm-hmm. listening. But, yeah, you got to ha- get them in, get early, and get them whenever you can. I think there's a, yesterday at 4 o'clock, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Yesterday, Monday, that is the 28th at 4 p.m., I think they said they had about 10,000 of the student of the 16,000 student tickets gone. Yeah. So Which, I expect that to be completely sold out by the end of the week. I would, sh- I would sure hope so. You would hope for a game like Miami and all the history that this rivalry has mm-hmm. had that it would sell out Sunday night, but, you know, such as as both progr- programs have played this season, it's a little slower than it has been in past years, but it'll, it should still be a good crowd in Tallahassee Saturday. I can guarantee you the hatred between these two teams is still there. There is no love lost. But, 100%. But we're going to start off this show with FSU's most recent football game that they played against Syracuse last Saturday, the 26th where they beat the Orange 35-17 to in Doak Campbell Stadium. It's a pretty easy win for the Seminoles. What did you see out of this one, Scott? Uh, I mean, it's just kind of plain and simple. FSU went out, and they did what they needed to do. They, uh, as uh, something that I had written down about Pitt when, ugh, what am I trying to say here? When Syracuse played Pitt, Pitt was really able to dominate them physically, and then going into that game, that's, that's, clearly what the game plan was for Barnett and the Seminoles defense was to get was to get after DeVito get after that O-line that has been shaky all season and they were successful in doing that I think what was it seven sacks for the game so seven sacks that's a season high and then I think that's the most by an FSU team since 2016 if I'm wrong I can't remember the exacts but yeah it was a lot of pressure in the backfield for DeVito Syracuse quarterback Tommy DeVito went 20 for 33 with 151 yards no touchdowns, and also no picks. So, I mean, he did kind of have a clean sheet in that sense, but he just didn't play well enough to get them over the hump. The Syracuse Orange didn't score a touchdown till the fourth quarter. It was three, they only scored three points throughout the first three quarters, and the defense for Florida State was really doing their job and really putting a ton of pressure on DeVito and getting in that backfield. And even the secondary, the secondary was playing very well, and it was all around a solid game. I know they kind of let up at the fourth quarter, which Taggart really didn't like to see out of his team, but it was still a nice win for the Knowles. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, someone that has really kind of shown up in that secondary has been a strong leader on that defense has been Hamza Nazraldine. He 
has really kind of come into form this this past season. And when Jaden Woodby went down, I think everyone was kind of interested to see how that uh, back seven was going to look. But I mean, they've they've been iffy at times. Wake Forest they got burned a little bit, but you know, hope hopefully we can this game shows a turn and we can pick that up a little pick that game up a little bit more. Well, speaking of that Wake Forest game, Hampson ba- barely played that game. He got knocked yeah. out in the first couple, or not knocked out, he took himself out of the game practically in the first few minutes on that first Wake Forest drive when he got called for a targeting penalty. So he missed the whole game. And just like that, we have a fire alarm going off in Diffenball once again. Number three this number week. Three, that's number three in two days. That might be a record right now. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. Hopefully this isn't a real deal. <laughs> Alright, and we are back. Turns out the building did not burn down. We are still here, but a day later, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon as opposed to 8 o'clock on Tuesday, building still here, and we do have Austin. Austin Reynolds of V89 and the FS View. He's here to about to do a shift for V89. Exactly, yes. How's it going? It's going okay. Um, I got here way in advance because my class let out early, so I've just been chilling. Uh, caught you guys at the right time, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, happy to have you on. Jump on whenever you feel, whenever you feel you know, the need to say something. But yeah, it's still myself, Gary Putnick, and Scott Clemens. We are still here doing the show. But we left off talking about Hampson Astral Dean and the rest of the FSU defense. Let's kind of transition now into the FSU offense and how they performed against Syracuse. It was a pretty easy game for them as well. They played decently. Alex Hornibrook did get the start. We were kind of left in the dark for the most part that last week on who would get the job going into Syracuse. And Hornibrook played okay. He just was there. I kind of described it as he went 15 for 26, 196 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. So, I mean, it was okay. What would you think? I mean, not good, not bad. Honestly, I'm so tired of hearing about this, like, Blackman versus Hornerbrook debate. It's not like it was a few years ago when we had two top 20 picks and EJ Manuel and Christian Ponder. Like, they're both generally pretty average. I honestly, like, I enjoyed seeing Cam Akers at quarterback and Laburn, <laughs> and I enjoyed seeing the two of them in the same backfield, and honestly, like... What do we have to lose at this point? Let's just keep Akers at quarterback rest of the year. That's, that's how I felt about it. I loved seeing Cam Akers. You mentioned him. He was playing in the quarterback position. It was the wild Cam offense, wildcat offense. I have a soft spot in my heart for the wildcat offense as the Dolphins un- brought it into existence pretty much in 2008 against the New England Patriots. So I love the wildcat, and it seemed to run pretty well. Cam Akers, in the passing perspective, he went uh, – Two for three for 26 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He really didn't get the chance to go deep with the ball. He really had just one screen pass, and it was another short five-yard pass. Like, wasn't it a slant or something along the lines, or was it another screen? Uh, I think I think it was a slant, and then I think the third one was that play where it was like it was a screen to Cam, but then he mm-hmm. threw it back, and then uh, he threw it back to Hornerbrook. I, the, I don't think he would get the passing yards, because I remember he threw a screen to one of the other play. I can't remember who he threw the screen to, but they yeah. FSU got a first down off that play, but there was that yeah. there was that mess of a play. What I, what was that? <laughs> I don't... It, it was a miracle. A mir- yeah, miracle to say the least. <laughs> a uh, prayer, yeah. Yeah, someone put up a video, I think, uh, I think it might have been Tarif that tweeted it out. It was just had a video that 
playing and it was like what was it like the chickens on the map yeah i know i laughed so hard that's pretty accurate and for those who didn't see the play the ball was snapped to alex hornybrook uh cam makers in the wide out he drops back to where he's where it's a backwards lateral pass to him and he gets the ball then he looks back cam makers then looks back to hornybrook who's another 10 yards back after where he last threw the ball cam makers throws the ball out of desperation to Hornybrook, and then Hornybrook throws the ball out of desperation to Tamari Terry, who ends up gaining about 50-some yards on the play almost. So it was a wild play. I didn't expect it to work. I was watching the game on delay, and I saw a text from a friend saying, what the heck? Or no, I saw um, Alex Krutchik's tweet from he, from the FSU and V89. I saw his tweet and said, how did that play work? And I was like, how did what play work? And then I saw it come up later because I was on delay. I was like, okay, I guess that did work. <laughs> yeah, I was in the I was in the student section, like in the end zone, right behind where that play was going on. And mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine who was uh, she had moved across the stadium, she had moved across the stadium. And after all that was going on, I just like we made eye contact like across about three sections of bleachers and just threw our arms up. I was like, <laughs> what the heck am I supposed to do with this? Yeah, there really wasn't too much to say in terms of the passing game for FSU, but in the run game, Cam Akers was phenomenal. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's proven time and time and again that he's the guy now, and I think and after last year was a little bit, I think, disappointing from him. People were, I think, expecting him to be the next kind of Dalvin Cook, which that year he just wasn't, but... This year especially, he's just carried the team on his back, and that's why things cert- and I that's a big reason why things certainly have improved from mm-hmm. last season. I would say. Yeah, and he's certainly started to come into his own right now. He had twenty carries for one hundred and forty-four yards and four touchdowns, tied a school record in terms of rushing touchdowns, and he almost had the chance to get five, but he came out with a little bit of an injury. It's not nothing serious. He just was pulled from the game, didn't return. Obviously, Florida State was up by a significant amount at the time. So there was no need to risk him, which I'm happy they didn't try and do that because Florida State needs Cam Akers. So Kalen Laburn was able to actually pick up one of those touchdowns, which probably should have been Cam Akers. But Kalen had a pretty decent day too, 17 carries, 68 yards, and a TD. So he's starting to get some more carries, thankfully. Like he's st- he needs more, honestly. Like we referenced him on Tomahawk Talk as being the middle child of this Florida State team. He doesn't get that enough love. Well, I mean, it's really hard for him to break into that system when you have a guy like Cam Akers in the spot ahead of you. But, I mean, he's def- definitely... Uh, you and Luke have been preaching for months that Labor needs to get some more touches, that there needs to be a little bit more of like a Reggie bush Lindell white combination mm-hmm. happening there. And, I mean, he's looked good so far. The touches have become like they're coming together more frequently whether that's because of injury or like they're like he cam Akers just needs like rest every once in a mm-hmm. while but uh it's definitely looking good for the future of fsu one question that i've been debating with uh friends of mine and one i one i'd like to pitch to you is does Akers declare for the draft this year how long can we expect to how much longer can we expect to see him in an fsu uniform I think, I think this is a very good chance that this is Akers' last season. I thought that was going to be the fire alarm for a second, but somebody was just buzzing to get into Diffenbaugh, I believe. So, But yeah, I think this is Akers' last year. I think he's going for the draft, and hopefully that means Kalen stays. Because there's those. everyone keeps saying the rumors are that Kalen's going to leave, but 
there obviously is no truth to these rumors as of right now because it's all hearsay for the most part. But I, do, what do you think? I I don't know. I mean, he's definitely made he he's definitely uh, Acres has definitely put NFL scouts on notice, mm-hmm. and I think that I think that at the end of the season, one of those guys is going to be gone. Whether it's Acres, whether Acres decides to stay for senior year or not, I don't see because I mean, Laburn definitely can start at about any power five or group of five school in the country right now and he's just not getting enough touches at and Bryles's offense and so he if I were him I would definitely be exploring my options what are the odds both are gone at the end of the season or during the off season I don't want to I don't want to think about that well I'm I'm gonna make you think about it (laughs) what are the odds is it is it better a chance that Kalen leaves and Akers stays that Akers stays and Kalen leaves, or both are gone. Which one do you think has the better chance of happening? I'm I'm gonna say that uh, I think Cam Akers is most likely to leave. Just, and that means Kalen stays, or Kalen yeah, goes that, long too. That I would hope that Kalen stays. I'm gonna sit because at that point he would be the number one guy, and he would really have like in terms of playing time would have no real reason to leave Florida State. Mm-hmm. But you know. Thing, things happen and it's not it's not always like playing time is not always the main factor when deciding whether to choose or leave a school mm-hmm. and so that that's my prediction I think acres could leave in the draft this summer and I, I think that's probably the most likely as well but there was also one interesting little mix-up we had in the kicking position this past week Parker Grothus Grothus I always get his name wrong on pronunciation apologize for that he got the start this week and ricky i believe was sick no one knows exactly i don't know exactly what the illness was but he was out with the illness possibly turtle flu but i'm i don't know on that uh yeah the revenge of turtle yeah lives on but growth has, i he did well this week i mean was it did he have a uh, missed extra point i believe uh yes i think it was a mixed missed extra point i remember looking down at that and i immediately s- I immediately thought it was like, why? I was like, God dang it, Ricky. And then, like, I looked down and I was like, oh, wait, that's like. It's Parker. Yeah, I couldn't, like, I couldn't see the long, like, black locks of his hair, of his hair going out the helmet. And I was like, oh, wait a second. That's, that's a new guy. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, Parker. Yeah, so Par- I didn't see exactly the missed extra point because of my stream getting cut out right uh-huh. when that, or right after the touchdown. I saw a touchdown. And then I came back from commercial, and it was like 6 nothing. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so I was a bit confused on that one. I didn't exactly see that. And also, Grothas had another kick blocked, another extra point blocked as well. He had a low one. I can't remember after which touchdown it was, but it was a bit low, and it got tipped by a couple of Syracuse defenders, and it barely skimmed over yeah. the bottom or the, the crossbar there. So maybe some issues for Grothas. Maybe he strains him out. Who knows? I think... I don't, I don't believe that it's going to be something to worry about going down the line, but always when it comes to Miami and Florida State, kicking issues happen. Wide lefts, wide rights, all the above end up happening, and that's the craziness and the beauty of the FSU-Miami rivalry, which will be taking place in Tallahassee this weekend, 3.30 p.m. in Doe Campbell Stadium. Both teams coming in at 4-4 four and four this year. Uh, did you think both of these teams would have the same record and both teams be at 500 at this point? Uh, I, 
I certainly thought FSU was going to be better than we were. I think we've given up some game because I mean Boise State was a game that we definitely should have won, and go and I would say Wake Forest as well was a game that we definitely it should have I think played a little better in, but and, and possibly Virginia. Oh yeah, Virginia. Yeah, we've had those. we've had so many close games this year mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh maybe. So I was actually expecting Florida State to be kind of to be better this year to be that kind of top 25 sleeper team that could go in and shake things up but alas that wasn't the case and honestly I was expecting Manny Diaz at Miami to have a little bit of trouble first year as many first as many coaches in their first year as as a head man will do and so I but yeah I was not expecting both both of these teams to kind of be in the kind of mediocre state that Hmm. they're and Miami's had a weird path to get to this four and four they lost to the Florida Gators on opening night which looked like a close game could leave the Gators with some like pessimistic thoughts after that one and the Gators or the Hurricanes with some optimism there because they did play well but they were really kept in that game via penalties on that as what was evident on that last drive if people remember yeah, it was no nobody wanted to win that game. I no. think uh, Felipe Franks kind of had a poor showing, and it was uh, well enough about that well, game. That, yeah, was, that, was, that was two months ago. Yeah, that was a fun week zero game. But then they ended up losing a close one to UNC in uh, Chapel Hill, twenty eight twenty five. Smoked Bethune Cookman narrowly got by against Central Michigan, seventeen twelve in Miami. That was an odd one. And then they lost to Virginia Tech. Beat. Virginia at in the was it in Miami on a Friday night. Then, what I would say is probably the most shocking of their games was the loss to Georgia Tech. Yeah, that I mean, I was watching that game and my and I grew I grew up a Jackets fan, so mm-hmm. like I had a little like I had a lot more joy than like <laughs> I I had a lot of joy that day. But I mean, it was both teams in that game was like Tech's still learning that new system under uh is it jeff collins i think his name is yeah yes. uh, and so they've been very kind of pitiful this year and seeing miami play also with special teams issues that we were talking i think it was both bubba baxa and then i forget the other dude's name that they could i think they missed like three or four kicks bubba baxa missed bubba baxa was over one in that game and then turner davidson was over two in that game okay so yeah both and both teams are having some kicking struggles at the moment, but Miami really it was a odd game to say the least because both teams were identical in all all the first four quarters. Both teams scored fourteen in the first, seven in the second, zero and zero in the third and fourth, and then obviously the Jackets scored a touchdown in overtime to secure the victory. But that was a shocker for me. I was. I was dumbfounded by the fact that the Miami Hurricanes were going to lose to the two, the one in five, uh, Yellow Jackets at the time. So, I didn't. I, I don't know. I'm still trying to get over that loss. I know Nikosi Perry, Nikosi Perry, was starting that game. He got a majority of the touches there. Jaron Williams did play a little bit, but they've been going through their struggles at the quarterback position. Jaron Williams and Nikosi Perry have been kind of flipping back and forth. And I th- believe it was announced today or yesterday that Jaron Williams will be the starter against Florida State this week. So Jaron Williams did play against Florida, open up the year. He looked pretty good, 
but it's really the O-line which let him down and has continued to let both of these quarterbacks down throughout the season. So do you think going with Jaron Williams was the right pick for this one? I'm, I mean, I, I would say so, just because I, Florida State and Miami, at when you look at their teams, they're both essentially the same. Like, they have kind of the same strengths and the same weaknesses. And uh, either, I think, Jaron Williams, for him to, for Miami to really go out and win this game in Tallahassee, he, he has to play well. He has to, like, the, I, the, offensive line against when they played Florida I think they gave up like 10 sacks or something crazy like that and if they and that pressure is going to keep coming in Tallahassee when especially when you have Coop and Durden and uh Marvin Wilson I don't know why I forgot him for a second there but uh but yeah definitely a key Jaron Williams is going to be a key player for Miami this game he has to play well in order for the Canes to well to leave Tally with a win Exactly, and Jerry Williams will be getting back a couple tools in order to help him help the Canes win this game. DJ Dallas is going to be back for Miami. He's their leading rusher this season right now. I believe he has four hundred. He has four hundred eighty-six total net yards this season, six touchdowns, and he has the longest touchdown of sixty-two rushing wise. So that's going to be a big get back for them. And also, they get Jeff Thomas, who's been one of their better receivers throughout the years. And he missed, I believe he missed a few past couple games due to suspension. And then additionally on the defensive end, the Canes will be getting back Michael Pickney. So that'll help him on the defensive end. We'll get to them later. But right now, how much of a factor do you think DJ Dallas and Jeff Thomas will be playing? And who do you think is going to come out being the better of the two this weekend? I I would say that, uh, I mean, DJ Dallas is definitely, I think, going to be the bet better the two just because we've like we've seen him play we he lit up that Florida defense a couple of times in that first game of the year and he definitely has the abilities kind of reminds me of Duke Duke Johnson the really good Miami Mm -hmm. the that good running back he's just another good uh weapon for Miami's offense and he's he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to be needed to kind of shake things up a little bit maybe take some pressure off of Williams and and that O line and I and we'll just have to see what happens on Saturday whether he can whether he's one hundred percent and is prepared to face a tough FSU defense. Mm-hmm. And I I'm gonna go the opposite way. I think Jeff Thomas is gonna be the bigger impact player because of FSU's secondary and the way that they are kind of iffy a lot of time. Out of those two, DJ Dallas is gonna get stopped a lot more because of this D line. They're feeling themselves. They're starting to get better. And they're starting to play up more now. So I'm really thinking that DJ Dallas is going to be stifled this game against Florida State. But Jeff Thomas and Jordan Brevin are really going to, I think they're going to have quite the day. And maybe even KJ Osborne. But still, I think it's going to be Brevin and Thomas for the most part that are really going to get the majority of the touches and looks from uh, from Jaron this weekend. But we can go on to now the FSU side in terms of offense. Still don't know who the quarterback's going to be. As of Monday, in the Monday press conference with Willie Taggart, he said, in a, uh, I can't remember who asked the question, but somebody asked the question, who's going to be the quarterback? It was the last question of the press conference, and Taggart smiles and answers, Cam Akers, and uh, leaves the room laughing. So I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking it as gospel right now, and I'm believing Cam Akers is going to be the quarterback because it's a very realistic option right now, too. He's the only one that hasn't thrown a pick out of these two guys, and he's been the most consistent, I guess. So, 
I think there's a better chance that I think I I really do believe we're going to see Cam Akers in the Wildcat this game against the Hurricanes. Oh, 100%, especially with how well it worked against Syracuse. Like if I remember correctly, there was a dr- like there we had a full-on drive of like four or five plays where it was just Akers and Layburn in that wild Wildcat setting and it worked. We moved the ball down the field and we in, we ended up scoring on that drive, if I remember correctly. And if hey, it don't fi- like don't fix something unless it's broken. Let's mm-hmm. see. Let's just keep running with it, and we'll see how it works against that Miami defense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and this Miami defense is pretty good. I mean, I would say the D. De- I would say their linebackers are their real strength here with Shaq Quarterman, Michael Pickney, and a few other guys. But Shaq Quarterman's really going to be the guy to look out for this game because he is just that. He's that force that comes about every single game. It feels like the past couple of years and. What was nice about him and those kind of guys and those line that linebacking core a few years ago, they were all started when they were really young and they were all freshmen. They were all getting starts and going, and that's something I'd like to see FSU start doing: get the defense young, have them learn, have them build up. Because when you get them built up like this, you can have guys like Shaq Quarterman come up and play like the pros that they are going to be in the few in the coming years. Yeah, uh, but yeah, a hundred percent. That I mean. Manny Mark Richt like say what you, say what you want about his record at Miami but he definitely I think stabilized that program a little bit and opened the door for Manny Diaz to come in and hope and maybe for Miami take them take the I you always hear the jokes like the U is back and it never is but uh, <laughs> may, maybe he could bring them back to where they once were and uh, what what am I what am I trying to say here? I think it's just the issue with Taggart now is that Taggart is very much in that Mark Rick position. Mm-hmm. Jim Jimbo, when Coach Fisher left FSU, he kind of left in a little bit of smoke. There was a lot of like the APR score was brought up. There was a lot of kind of instability within this football team within the athletic department, and Taggart has taken a lot of time. I would say to try to correct that, change the culture of FSU football a little bit, and he's. And, I mean, he's done all right, I'd say, but, you know, fans are going to focus on wins, and that's why Mark That's why Mark Rick was feeling pressure in Miami, because at both schools where you've had a history of success for so long, people are going to look at the wins and losses and not see a bunch of the stuff behind the scenes. Exactly. It's all about, it's ones and zeros. It's a win-loss kind of league, I mean, really. It's tough for him, and I really was. I was rooting for Mark Richt. I like Mark Richt. He graduated my high school in Boca Raton. He went to Boca Raton Community High School, so he was a Boca Bobcat through and through. He actually did my senior year of high school. They had their spring game at Boca High, so I was able to get credentialed for that and go cover Miami spring game at my high school. So that was one of the cool memories from high school that I was able to do. And it was interesting being able to talk with him a little bit about, bit about some stuff and like having him come back to our high school, but. Getting back to where we're at now, Miami is in the same kind of the same position. I'd say Florida State's obviously a year ahead of them in terms of rebuilding because of the fact that Taggart's in year two and Diaz is in still in year one. But it's going to be difficult for both these teams to get back, and obviously, especially for Miami, they are kind of they've kind of been in this lull for a while, and Florida State hasn't been there for a bit. And there's that worry around Florida State fans and everywhere around here that is this is the beginning of that Miami-esque lull coming about and I don't I don't see it as that because I think Florida State's 
building a different culture here, and I think the recruiting's coming different, but I can guarantee you that's what every Miami media person was saying X amount of year ago when uh, they were going through their down period. Oh, yeah. But I think it's going to be a bit different up here. Granted, FSU also doesn't have the same kind of sanctions that got put on Miami around the early 2000s when uh, they got busted for paying players. Yeah, was who was that? Was that was that the, what was his name, like Nevin Shapiro, I think? Yes, I believe or, so. That sounds about okay. right to me. I We can look that up later, but yeah, let's, but let's get into some more about like this game and what some players have been saying coming into this week. DJ Matthews, I'm reading an article here from the Miami Herald. DJ Matthews was quoted on what's challenging about Miami's defensive backs. He said, quote, nothing. Do you think there's any weight to that statement? I I mean, a, a lot of this is all just part of the rivalry. It's what makes Florida State and Miami so great. It's just one, one of the issues that I have with us doing it is that it seems that every time that Florida State talks smack, they lose. I mean, the obvious example being like back in the like 1987 when it was the Seminole rap or whatever, and then we go mm-hmm. into, it was the Orange Bowl that year and just get blown to just get blown out and it was so i'm i'm all i'm all for talking a little smack but in order to do that you have to back it up on the field and i can't wait to see uh terry and matthews and all those guys face off against that miami defensive back seven and we'll and we'll see if Mm -hmm. it's challenging or not yeah and other than really the linebackers their safeties and corners aren't that great. They only have five total picks this year. That not not the best, in my opinion. I mean, so I can see there's I see where uh, DJ's coming from here, and I believe there is some weight to that statement that he had. And going through the rest of these quotes, they're really there. It wasn't really like a lot of like board uh, billboard kind of material or bulletin board material. Sorry, but it's really just a lot of that kind of generic kind of Miami FSU smack talk that you hear, hear from both sides and there's still I th- still believe there's no love lost in this rivalry and even when these teams are 4-4 four and four or one team's not doing too well this is the game that everyone gets up for this oh. is I think I don't know coming from a South Florida perspective this game means more than the Florida Florida State game every year I mean I guess I mean definitely coming from like as you were saying South a South Florida perspective. This game, I think, it, like, I would say it means a lot, it means a lot more in the grand scheme of, or historically speaking, it meant a lot more in the grand scheme of who would be, like, college football, who would be winning titles or not, because Bobby always, always said, like, I would have so many more national titles if I didn't have to play Miami every year. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I would, coming from, like, having family in the panhandle i would say that there's still i would personally argue that in terms of like emotionally speaking from a fan's perspective florida still has a lot more weight than miami does Mm -hmm. i just yeah i just have a a personal bias against miami i guess that's kind of showing here but the rivalry right now is 30 to 30 or 33 to 30 right now in favor of miami Miami's on that two-game winning streak as of the last two seasons, both narrow losses. And the last four last four games have all been narrow wins or narrow losses for either team. I think no game of these last four have been decided by more than five points, or four points for that matter. So it's really one of those tight-knit games that are really going to be tough to win for either side. Now we can get into some predictions now. 
what are you guys thinking about scores for this weekend? All right. Well, I don't know why. Maybe it's just running off the success of last week and how everyone's been building up the game this week. But I'm really excited to get back at, to see the team get get back out there, and I'm feeling very confident about about this game for FSU. But of course, I'm realistic, and every time I feel really confident, there's like we're gonna. I feel as if FSU is gonna get blown out. So I'm gonna go kind of like meet in the middle a little bit. I'm gonna say FSU pulls this one out, twenty-four to thirteen in Tallahassee. Who do you think's the MVP? I mean, it's got to be Cam Akers, right? Mm. Like, like no one else seems to really be like no one else can really do anything thing mm. on their own except for him. And all right, uh, awesome. Do you have a prediction for this one? I do indeed have a prediction. Perfect. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think it'll be mostly an ugly game. Uh, FSU's defense is improving over the past couple weeks, save for that anomaly against Clemson, because they're Clemson, of course. And then Miami statistically has the second-best defense in the conference, despite their lack of interceptions and lack of real consistency in the secondary. So I am going to call this a 23-20 victory for the Seminoles. 23-20. I'm, I got someone along the same lines here. I got Florida State 25, Miami 21. Okay. And I want to give you guys another little prop bet, kind of, really. How many total picks do we see this game? I'm going to say, I'm going to set it right now at two and a half, over, take, under. I would take the over, but barely. I'd say three. Really? Okay. I'm I'm going to take the under on that. Just, I I think we should see, I think we should see just a lot of quarterback play between, because... As I mentioned before, Jaron, Jaron Williams is going to have to step up, and no matter who plays for us, whether it's Blackman or Hornerbrook, or whether or not Taggart's actually serious in putting Cam Akers at quarterback, those it's going to be, I think, mainly a a more run-based approach for FSU, and we'll see what happens. Well, who do you guys have starting at quarterback? Cam Akers is let's say Cam Akers is not an option. You either have James Blackman or Alex Hornerbrook. Who are you taking? I would have to lean towards James Blackman. I mean, you do have... Not, I, I wouldn't say better results, but obviously the game against um, Syracuse is halfway encouraging for uh, Hornybrook. But, I mean, Blackman is the leader of this team. I think guys would start to get a little wary if he was held out for two straight games, so you have, you have to give the reins back to him at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I would go with Blackman as well for exactly what you were talking about with He's the leader of this team. He's the guy that I I feel a lot of the, I think that a lot of the other players seem to be more comfortable with, and so I would say because of that I would have to start Blackman over Hornerbrook. Fair enough. But what if I told you guys one of these two quarterbacks on teams that he's been on when they played the University of Miami, he's zero two, but when this other quarterback has played the University of Miami, regardless of him starting or not. They are also 0-2. Both quarterbacks have one start against the University of Miami. Both quarterbacks have also sat one game against the University of Miami. But one guy is 0-2, the other guy is 2-0. Who are you taking? I'm taking the guy that's 0-2. Give, give him a chance 0-2. to get that one in the win column. Oh, so you've, you've already seen my blind resume then. I have, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I would say I would counter that point with let's look at the offensive lines mm-hmm. that both of those guys had, yeah. and yep. then, then we can talk a little bit more. But I... I know you're very big in the in the horny hive, and I would 
but I'm still sticking with James Blackman should start mm-hmm. against Miami this weekend. Yes, and for those who couldn't see the blind resume, it was F- or Alex Hornibrook is 2-0 and when he's been on a team that plays against the University of Miami. Wisconsin beat Miami in the 2017 Orange Bowl, and then which Hornibrook started that game. He played very well, granted, behind a very great offensive line in Wisconsin. And then, they, uh, then the Badgers also beat Miami the next year in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, I can't remember the score on that one, but Jack Cohn started that game for the Badgers. And then, obviously, Blackman is the guy who's 0-2 as he started the first or two years ago against Miami and lost 24-20. to And then uh, last year when DeAndre Francois started for the Seminoles and they lost 28-27. to So, uh, that's, I, I'm going to say they're going to give the ball to Hornibrook again. They're going to keep riding the hot. They're going to ride the hot hand, even though that hand wasn't that hot last week. It was just lukewarm almost, not even warm to say the least. It was kind of just room temperature. So I think that's all we got. Do you guys have anything else on anything FSU-Miami rivalry? Any favorite memories from the rivalry? Nothing? That, I mean, not, not since I've been here, no. It's, it's well, been a pretty one-sided affair. Well, I mean, that, I mean, last game, last year's game was very good. I thought that was a very good game, in my opinion, just in terms of a, watching as a fan. I was there covering a game for the newspaper, for the FS View, and that was, and that was an amazing game to be at, just from an atmosphere perspective. When FSU got up, I wasn't sure. If the, I knew for a fact that wasn't going to hold. I knew for a fact they weren't going to be able to hold up on that. And then when Miami got that first tur- turnover in the third quarter, the place shook. I was in the press box there, and everything just started shaking. It was, it was the loudest I've ever seen the Hard Rock or Dolphin Stadium or Pro Player Stadium or whatever name iteration that whatever you want to go wanna call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because there's about ten of them. But that was the loudest I've ever seen that stadium. And I've been to a fair amount of games for either the Miami Hurricanes, Miami Dolphins, or the Florida Marlins at that stadium. So, it's. It's been a ton of fun. I love the Miami-FSU rivalry. It's my favorite game of the year just because of Miami and FSU and the history that's gone along with it. Granted, also, I have some friends who are still down there and who are Miami fans, so it's a ton of fun. I love this game. I'm excited for this game. I assume you guys are as well. Absolutely. 100%. Jump jump down student tickets as soon as they were available. Exactly. So you can have a great time in that hopefully full student section. Eh, Who knows? I think was I last saw it, it was at 10,000. I don't know if that's still true. Uh, I mean, I I think it's gone up a little bit more since the, since uh, I think the ten thousand number came out. Was that Monday? Yeah, it was okay. either Sunday night or Monday night. So I would say it's definitely gone gone up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anything that said it's sold out yet. It could. I mean, it could be sold out. I've started to see people on the FSU uh, Facebook pages starting to ask for tickets. Maybe, but granted, it may also have been for like friends coming into town. But who knows? I. It'll be great to see a full stadium because FSU really hasn't had a full stadium all season long. And so it'll just be a fun weekend in general. Love the Miami game. It's a fun time. See y'all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk and Chop. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FSVU Sports. Also subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.